Not accepting ourselves is such a colossal waste of time. I don't know what that gets us. And after losing so much in my life, and like, like, let's be really real. I, I lost my mother and father seven months apart in 2013. I lost my stepfather just months before that. I lost my biological father and I didn't even know until I went looking for him. Like, I've suffered a lot and not to get dark, but I've seen some stuff and, and my family's experienced, I think, the, the worst stuff. I'm not going to waste time being hard on myself. It's just stupid. I'm so lucky to be here for so many reasons. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Happy mid-September. Hi. We're just rolling into the fall. Just keep going. And um, today on the show, we have Rebecca Baruki, who is an author. She's a certified meditation and yoga teacher. She's a mother of five. She rescues farm animals. And she has about literally probably at least 50 more things that I could add to this list that she does. She just wrote a children's book that's going to be turned into a series. She's brilliant. She's funny. We had the best time. And it was all online because she's in New Jersey. So I didn't get to be in the room with her, but it felt like I was. And I'm just, I'm in love with her now. So I can't wait to to share this interview with you. But before I do, I just want to make a few quick announcements. Um, Just a reminder that this month's highlighted give is Amnesty International. You can go visit them at amnesty.org. You can get involved. You can donate money. You can just learn. Um, this is an incredible organization and I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface of what they do. They are really just making so much change and supporting so many various groups of people in the world. Um, amnesty.org, check them out. I also want to thank the sponsor for today's show, Serpent Lane. Serpentlane.com is an online lingerie store that provides affordable, size-inclusive, provocative, and fun lingerie. It's beautiful lingerie. And as a MILF podcast listener, you get an exclusive discount using the code MILF15. So please do that. I personally own a ton of stuff from this company. It's amazing. It's really fun and it's affordable. So you don't feel like, you know, you don't have to spend $100 or even $50 to get a nice whatever it is. And she has all kinds of stuff. She has um, she has some pole dancing apparel. She has a lot of different lingerie. She has body suits. She has a, an array of like panties and bra sets and um, kinky stuff like collars and chains and body jewelry. It's really fun just to go on there and browse, but you do get a discount. Um, and she also does free returns. So that's really nice that if you got something and you said, oh, this doesn't really work, you can return it for free. So serpentlean.com, check it out. Thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast of MILF, this episode of MILF podcast. Sometimes I get so excited that I get the words in my head get ahead of my mouth. Anyway, I don't know if that makes sense. So without further ado, here is my interview with Rebecca Baruki. I hope you guys enjoy. 
Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Do most people call you Bex? Nobody calls me Bex outside of the online world. Got it. Got it. Okay. (laughs) But it's okay if you do, because that's how you know me. I mean, I think of you as Rebecca, because that's how your name comes up on my email now. Yeah. Um. So, okay. First of all, what a small world of how mm-hmm. many different connections we have. I found you because of Jen Pasteloff. Yes. Because you were taking over one of her like zillion Instagram <laughs> feeds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're so interesting and fun and cool. And would you want to yeah. be on my show? And you said, yes. I was on the phone with Corinne, who is on mm-hmm. my team. And she was like, do you know Rebecca Baruki? And I was, am I saying your name right? You are. Thank you. Baruki. And I was like, yeah, I don't know her, but I just asked her to be on my show. And she's like, oh my God, I work for her and she's amazing. Ah. And so, yeah, we just, it's been a love fest all around for you. And um, I, of course, was doing some last minute research, looking at all your stuff this morning mm-hmm. and your resume, like just your day to day, just, <laughs> I, I can't even... You're one of those women that I'm like, where are you hiding the extra 10 hours a day that you do all this stuff? I mean, I know you wrote a book about it and we'll talk yes. about that, but I did buy the book. <laughs> what, what, you are a mother of five. Let's just start with that alone. I, yes, like, I do have those five children. <laughs> and I have to tell you, it's so nice to hear that people are giving me compliments out there in the world because I'm also the mother of two teenagers and an adult <sighs> woman child and I'm hungry for those compliments. Yeah, I know. And I think when our kids are grown it comes back, right? I I think I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I write about the relationship with my mother in the book too. So Ooh, I, it might okay. come back maybe when they're 40. So I'm not mm. holding my breath. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give a lot of it to you today. I'm going to give you a lot of compliments today. So, oh, yeah. Thank so you. you're and and when you, I'm just going to mention a few of the things. So you are a certified meditation and yoga teacher. You are a birth doula. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw that in there. That's not a small thing to be added to your resume. I mean, that's like a a big training. There's a lot of training that goes with that. And yes. Yeah. I'm always training for that. It's my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite um, thing that I make no money doing. Oh, but how magical. I mean, talk about like finding your bliss. One of your, one of your mottos is like, I want to help people find their personal bliss. It also keeps me from having another baby because (laughs) if I wasn't surrounding myself with, with other people's babies, I would definitely, definitely be having more. And my husband said, no, although next week we are going for our first foster care orientation. So I'm sneaking it in. (laughs) <laughs> wow. And you have farm animals. Yes, we, we also rescue farm animals. You so, rescue them. Oh, I didn't know oh, that part. Oh, none of this. our yeah, none of our pets are useful. Oh. They're all elderly, <laughs> uh, on their way out, needy. They give us nothing. Except love, of course. Yes. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> so you are just a, a you love nurturing. I think that I've done something very terrible in a past life that I'm trying to atone for (laughs) because there's no other reason. I'm like broke is a joke because I can't hold a dollar without giving it away. I swear my my husband's like, Rebecca, you need, I just started another project with a children's book. And he's like, of course you did. Of course you did. He's like, oh, this is going to be amazing. You're going to make so much money. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I turned it into a fundraiser for Baltimore (laughs) City School children. I I did something bad. I Something real it. bad. I got to well, get doing into heaven. So much good stuff that I mean, that's good. You, you've repaid that debt 
you know, yeah, ten it's, times It's my over. joy. It, it nourishes like, me so much. It's really all about me. <laughs> it shows. Well, it shows because you are so joyful and, and you know. I am. Your YouTube videos are just like hypnotic in this joyful way. And thank you. Like even just that, like I haven't read your books yet, but like the titles mm-hmm. of your book. So you have four minutes to change your life. I love that. I love that. Because <laughs> it's so catchy and it's so great, especially for someone who's busy or someone who's a mom or which mm-hmm. is one and the same um, because you feel like you don't have four minutes to change your life, but it really, yeah. it really does work. And okay. There's so many things I want to dive into, but first okay. I want to start from the beginning of you. So where were you born? Oh, this is, do you know this story? No. Oh, no, I don't. Is this a good story? It depends. Okay. Um, it's it's okay now. I was born in Camden, New Jersey, okay. um, but I was born, which was very far from my home, because my um, parents. It was a secret pregnancy, because oh, wow. I am the product of an extramarital affair, and wow. my parents were giving me away for adoption, or my, my parents who became my parents because my mother is my biological mother. The man that raised me is not my biological father. It was her husband. And they hid the pregnancy and had me in a secret location. And they were going to say that I died in childbirth for the people around, like our neighbors who knew that she was pregnant. Because I am um, a biracial black woman and my biological father is black and my mother's husband was not. He was white. So, but wow. at the last moment, um, it was a very traumatic birth experience for my mother and um she didn't see me right away, but my father, who became my father, did. And he asked the nurses to see me. And they were like, no, she's definitely not yours. You shouldn't see her. And he demanded it. And when, um, and you can accept this story however you want to, but this is his truth. He said that uh, when he held me, that Jesus spoke to him and said that he was meant oh. to take care of me. So he named me Rebecca and Lynn after his middle name. His name is Gary Lynn. And, um, or was Gary Lynn. My, all of my parents are past now. And, um, he raised me as his own. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's my birth story. That Which I is... don't think you were asking, but I was born in yes, Camden. Of course that's what I'm asking. Of course that's what I'm asking. Well, I mean, yeah. that's such a beautiful... I have chills all over my body and tears <clears> in my <throat> eyes. <clears throat> and I have to say, just having talked to you for six minutes and 57 seconds, like <clears throat> it makes sense that that's how you entered the world because... Yeah you are such a bright light, like just undeniably and unapologetically bright. And wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that's incredible. I like sharing that story because I want people to know why I love so hard and how sincerely I do, because the person that raised me is, is, was not my biological father. And he had to swallow a lot of pride to keep me. I mean, he was this blonde, blue-eyed Swedish gentleman from yeah. Kansas. Yeah. And he had this child who was not his, but he walked around with me and very proudly, you know, proclaimed um, me as his. And so for me, family means something very different than blood. Mm. And um, I truly believe that all of the people on this whole planet are my brothers and sisters and all mm. children are my children too. So I don't have this idea of like separation or borders or anything. Yeah. And um, I think that that's why it's really, because my parents' example, it's really easy for me to, to give and share. Stunning. That's so, and were you an only child? No, I have an older sister and okay. um, who's half Japanese and a full white little sister. 
<laughs> I, I call her double white. She's so wait, how, how is your older sister half Japanese? Because my that? mother, my mother was um, married before. Before. Okay. Dad, got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So that's interesting. All the mul- multicultural and multi-ethnic, you know, the we are every around. shade of brown, so great. every and, shade of brown but, in my family. Yeah. Now, so when you, did you grow up in Kansas then? No, no. I grew up so, in New Jersey. If you can't New tell Jersey. from okay. the terrible so accent. No, you don't. I don't. You. It's If it's there, it's very slight. But so uh, what was that like growing up biracial? Not I d- Well, like, how did that work? I didn't grow up biracial. I grew up white because it was a secret. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a long story. It's something that actually doesn't happen or it does happen quite often. Children who could be passing because I have been white passing or I'm passing for something else. I'm uh-huh. what you call ambiguously brown. Okay. My parents chose because of the secret and because of the, the shame, um, because, you know, that's the time. It sure. still is very much the time that we live in that I was raised at least outwardly to present as white. And while I knew in my heart and then from, you know, talking to people, other people in my life and neighbors and close friends of my mother's that, you know, I did have another father. It wasn't something that I could talk about openly until after my parents passed in 2013. So it was a secret even from my general audience in a lot of ways, um, but all of my close friends and family knew. And certainly in high school and middle school, all the kids, all the black girls in school were like, girl, <laughs> There's he ain't your daddy. And I'm like, I know, I know, but I can't talk about it. I can't yeah. talk about it. So it was, um, you know, that's a whole other podcast, but it was, it yeah. was, it was, uh, strange and disorienting and confusing and it and it created a lot of shame and um yeah a lack of understanding about who i was and where i came from so there's a lot of um there's a lot of reconnecting and searching that i'm doing um finding that part of my family and connecting with them and and also my ancestry my history yeah i can imagine i mean that's so at what age did you did they ever sit down and really talk to you mm-hmm. about it or did you just piece it together? I mean, you already knew before it sounds like they yeah. actually. I, I knew for sure, for sure when I was 18, like I knew the circumstances um, because my older sister is 10 years older than me and she was able to share a lot of the story. Um, I have uh, a godmother alpha who, um, thank goodness I had an in, the influence of a black woman in my life because um, mm. I really needed that. And she mm. knew the story. She was best friends with my mother. Um, and she guided me in a lot of ways. It wasn't until, though, I was, uh, I think, 32 that my mother, um, and during an estrangement, and it was a lot of surrounding this issue, that she wrote me a letter, and it had my father's um, name in it, and uh, ways to find him. And I sat on that for a really long time, and unfortunately, when I finally uh, decided to look for him, he had already passed. But I know that I have a lot of family out there, and thank goodness for Ancestry.com and 23andMe, because it's been... I've connected with a lot of amazing people and also with a lot of details of my of my personal ancestry um, going all the way back to to uh, slavery. So that's it's incredible. It is. What it a is. journey, girl. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. intense. That's not it is intense. Everyday, uh, <laughs> that's not your everyday genealogy tree. No, I feel very lucky, though. Yeah. I feel very lucky. It's incredible. What a beautiful story. And yeah. so you're. Okay, well, there's so much. There's so much. <laughs> I so, know. I just like put it all on the. Oh no, I do too, and I bounce week. around, and I'm not <laughs> diagnosed with ADD, but I for sure have like I can't hold it because I just get excited and like. Me um, too. So you grew up in New Jersey. 
Mm-hmm. And then what happened when you were 18? Did you move out? Did you go to college? Mm-hmm. I moved out when uh, I had just turned 17. I had, um, to make it brief, I had a bad childhood. I had, my mm-hmm. life started as an adult. My life started as an adult because mm-hmm. um, I don't have many happy memories before that. But uh, it was, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of uh, mental illness um, with me and both of my parents. Um, we lived in um, abject poverty, but not the not just the kind where you don't have money, but there was a lot of neglect and my house was filthy and falling apart. And even though we, we lived in a, ver- a working class neighborhood where no one had money, um, we were that family on the block that really mm. didn't like the grass was long and toys mm. were left out. It was bad. Mm. Um, so it was a very violent episode, uh, the night that I moved out and I stayed out. I went out on my own. I bounced around, um, between different family members and, and friends and sometimes in my car. And, um, I ended up in a relationship very young at 18 with a guy in a band and got pregnant soon after. And we tried it out and had two more kids together and got married. And I lived in New York for a long time and stayed up there and had my first three children. And, um, yeah, but I've I've been a mom and out on my own for every single minute of my adult life. So, so you had your first child very young, your first children. Um, very young. Well, I mean, very young by I guess some standards. Today's everyone standards. everyone, I know everyone that's in true. my town got pregnant in high school, <laughs> but well, I was. Uh, I know it's different. And in my family, we ha- we all had children young. But I was uh, nineteen when she was born, and eighteen wow. when I got pregnant with her. And now she's a senior in college. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Are you still married to that man? No. Different man. No. No, <laughs> thank <Okay>. God. <laughs> okay. So there was a transition. Transition. Yes. We have three children together and mm-hmm. we divorced when my um the my middle child now was uh, two years old. Uh-huh. And I have been with my current and forever husband <laughs> for 13 years and we've been married for... Uh, almost 11 and we're oh, very happy congratulations. i adore him yeah. it shows i saw a little a few little clips of you guys yeah he's the best so how did you within that context of all of that that's happening and everything you just described leaving your family um, of origin and going out on your own and starting your new family having dealt with your own mental health issues and and you know having been around, surrounded by what sounds like some mental health and violence and things like that. Can you tell me how on earth did you get to uh, practicing uh, meditation, yoga? Like what was there, was there a series of events or one event or what happened to kind of get you to that? Well, it started with shoplifting. So we can go there. Amazing (laughs) segue. Yeah. Doesn't it always, Um, doesn't it always. So, you know, my parents had a tough time and they were, um, but they were at for a time deeply religious people. So for the, the formative years of my life, I spent a lot of time in church, upwards of nine hours a week in Bible study wow. or church. Yeah, I loved it. I loved church. I was never that yeah. kid that like didn't want to go. I love singing and dancing and worship and all of that stuff. I love being together with people and I love ritual. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was really into it and I had a very deep prayer practice, even as a little child. And I would say the greatest gift that my mother ever gave me truly was, um, she told me, I I think I was like five years old. And she said, you have a direct connection with God that no Mm. man or minister can come in between. Mm. And you determine that relationship. 
And because I've always seen things in visuals and why I teach um, visualization meditation, I saw immediately this little red string going from the center of my chest to up in the sky where God lives, of course, Mm. (laughs) and up in the clouds. Mm. And it even in my darkest moments, I was um, hospitalized at eight years old with um, severe mental health issues. I was suicidal at 10. That was my first attempt. I lived in group homes. Through all of that, it was really that idea that I was always being heard. And I always had that connection that, that truly kept me alive. So I prayed every day. But when I was 15, I was working in a used bookstore with my mother. And we were packing it up and moving to a new location. And I found a copy of um, Ram Dass's Be Here Now. And it was, oh, God, it looks so amazing <laughs> with, like, the purple cover and the mandala. And, and I didn't have the money. And I stole it. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry um, that I stole it. But I mean, not really. I'm actually but not it changed sorry at your all. life. So it did change my life. Yeah. And what it did for me was it took an already very solid prayer practice, but that, that while I was praying, feeling very not forgotten by God, but wondering why it wasn't wor- working. Mm-hmm. Like, am I not good enough? Like, why, why am I suffering so deeply? Um, it allowed me to turn that prayer inward and look to myself in the form of meditation as um, a way to connect with my inner wisdom. And it was really exciting for me as a teenager, um, a very weird teenager. I'm understanding more and more that this isn't the norm. <laughs> but I, I have meditated every single day since, meditated and prayed. Um, and I'm 41 now. Oh, so It's a yeah, lot of meditation and prayer. It's needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, so needed. And it's, it God, it really is. And I've actually missed my meditation practice for the last week. And I had my mm. my assistant came over yesterday. She comes over about once a week and we were getting a lot of stuff done and I just couldn't focus. And I'm also I'm very woo. You're gonna learn. I'm I'm a little woo. So like I'm a Gemini, I'm an air sign, and I was just it was like I was buzzing around the room and I said I got to meditate. And oftentimes I'll meditate with her. I'll be like, we're going to stop everything. And, and when she first started to work for me, she came in. I said, we're going to start the day with a meditation. She was like, dude, I love this job. <laughs> and I set the <laughs> timer for 15 minutes. Said, we're just going to meditate 15 minutes, you know. And I, I've i been a big proponent of it and 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 learned how to do it in my 20s also. Uh, well, you learned in your t- teens. I, I remember the first time I got I learned it actually was in algebra class. I We had this old like he wasn't old. He was old to me because I was 16. But um, he taught us uh, meditation in algebra and they would let him do that. We were at this, anyway, and it was the first time I kind of got it and I didn't pick it up again until I was in my mid-20s. But I just, every time I pick it up again, because I always drop it off, like, oh, I just get so, I love the title of your book, You Have Four Minutes to Change Your Life, because it really only takes, and I mentor some women and they're like, I don't have time, I don't have time. And I always tell them what my, one of my mentors told me, if you can't meditate for seven minutes a day, she said seven, I usually say three, you should be meditating for an hour. Yeah. (laughs) And someone told her that. And, um, Mm -hmm. But it is, it's just, I need it to ground me because otherwise I just fly into, I'm not like in my body. And like what you said about, like, it helps you kind of turn inward to your inner wisdom, which is then I believe also connected to a higher power, you know, multiple powers. And everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. Collective consciousness. 
So I, in You Have Four Minutes to Change Your Life, I describe meditation as a way to say, and I'm paraphrasing myself, hey, I see you. I recognize that you're a thinking, feeling person and you deserve to be heard and I love you. So meditation for me, it could mean sitting on a pillow in a quiet room, closing my eyes, but it's really just a way for me to connect with myself. And that can be in 10 breaths. That could be over the course Mm. of an hour. I also say that are as many effective ways to meditate as there are people on this planet. Mm. So I actually don't give a shit if you meditate or not like at all. I just want you to find a way to connect with yourself in whatever way feels good for you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but like, don't, Listen, if you actually feel like you don't have time to do four minutes, then just do three minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, yeah. I don't care. No, of course. Of course. <laughs> just take the breath. Of course. Of course. Well, and, it, and I love that. I love that because it's so forgiving. And I think there is this idea around it of like, you know, oh, I have to have no thoughts when I'm meditating. It's like nobody Who does do that? that. Nobody does that. And I don't even know if that, for my purposes, my time yeah. in meditation, and I look at it very um, literally, I'm a very left-brained person, that it meditation literally means to contemplate a thought. Mm. So I'd say, like, pick a thought or a few thoughts and sit with them. It's a yeah. time to, to, you know, commune with yourself yeah. and work things out. Not think about anything. I'll do that when I'm dead. I know. I know. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, it's just not attainable. And it's it's mm-hmm. not even, I mean, maybe it is attainable, but it's, it's a nice like, goal. I guess. I mean, but I mean, yeah, I love, yeah. I love your, um, I love that you just like have this open acceptance and that it just, it just opens it up for everyone to like have their own thing. And I love that. Not um, accepting ourselves is such a colossal waste of time. I don't mm. know what that gets us. And mm. after, losing so much in my life and like like let's be really real I, I lost my mother and father seven months apart in 2013 I lost my stepfather just months before that I lost my biological father and I didn't even know until I went looking for him like mm. I've suffered a lot and not to get dark but I've seen some stuff yeah and and my family's experienced I think the the worst stuff mm. I'm not gonna waste time being hard on myself. It's yeah. just stupid. I'm so lucky to be here for so many reasons, for so many reasons. I looking back to my to my my ancestors who I can name, I can say their names who were born into slavery. I'm so mm. lucky to be here. I'm mm. not going to waste my time complaining. Mm. I mean, I'm allowed to be sad, but I'm yeah. I'm appreciating too at the same yeah. time. Well, and I think that feeds <laughs> into why and how you are so full of this joy of life and this vivacity and that you can be so productive. And like, I mean, I only listed like two or three things. Like there's so many more things that you're doing and you have a new children's book that you're, yes. I mean, can we talk about that? We can talk only about that. Cause that's, <laughs> that's the it thing I'm so most amazing. excited and about. So also mm-hmm. my son um, who's 10 really struggles with anxiety and we've, we've done a lot of different things. And recently we've had a lot of success with hypnotherapy which yes. the homework for hypnotherapy is this meditation he does every day with breathing and visualization and connecting to himself, connecting to his higher self. It's been amazing. But so when I saw the promo online for your book, Zara's Big Messy Day, which looks amazing. <laughs> I love um, Zara. <laughs> and the main character is a little black girl. Yeah. 10. Um, and 
Oh, that's... she's seven. She's seven. Oh, she's seven. I'm sorry. I made her yeah. 10 because my son is 10. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Oh, Who sorry. struggles <laughs> with anxiety and... Um, mm-hmm. But and... she doesn't call it that. For her, it's just she has big emotions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She just gets upset. So yeah. tell me about what what came about to inspire you to create this? <sighs> well, I have been wanting to write a children's book for 20 years. It's been my dream. So in a lot of ways, and I apologize to my publisher for this Hay House because I'm so happy that you gave me book deals. But all of everything I've ever done in my entire life has been leading up to this moment to have mm. the platform, the access, the freedom, the connections to be able to create this book. So I am doing this as an indie project. I am self-publishing. Um, Zara is, see, I'm saying Zara because I'm trying to be proper. But if you watch the trailer, I say Zara because I'm because <laughs> that's my I New Jersey accent. It. So Zara, Zara, um, Zara is. Uh, she's this little girl. She is black. She's um, biracial black. Her dad is white. Her mother is black. Um, we don't talk about that in the story yet. Uh, it's going to be a series. Uh, but she is a little girl that just has a hard time, and she's really me in a lot of ways. And the premise of the entire series is that she struggles with big emotions or everyday obstacles and a a person that she cares about and trusts gives her a tool that she then uses herself to be able to manage her own stuff. And in this first one, her mother gives her a breathing exercise. And so the reader is going to learn alongside of Zara and they're going to learn how to connect with themselves in any moment and see how it doesn't make everything perfect. It doesn't necessarily even change your outside environment or the situation, but it allows you to react in a different way. Mm. And she is, um, she's become like a daughter to me. I look at her like a real little kid. I love her personality. My illustrator did a fantastic job with bringing her to life. And I've been working with this illustrator for years with other stuff with my business. And Um, the love that's going into this is very real. And the most exciting part of this project, which was not an original, um, it was not the original goal, but I've seen now that it's been so well received. We got full funding in 14 hours on Kickstarter. So now we're we're going for stretch goals. Um, It wasn't even meant to be a Kickstarter. Someone suggested it. And within 24 hours, I made the video and (laughs) I just did all the things. Um, So I'm very excited. But we are going to bring Zara at first on tour to Baltimore City Elementary Schools. And we're not just visiting, but we're gifting every single child in the class that we visit a book and all different other goodies. And we're going to teach them to meditate. I'm working in partnership with a very dear friend of mine who is unnamed at this point because for other reasons. (laughs) But he's connected with um, the Baltimore City School System. He's from Baltimore. People who know me will know who this is. And he is. orchestrating putting together this whole thing i'm so excited and with the kickstarter there are options to sponsor a classroom so people can <gasps> okay. for 250 dollars give 25 books to the kids and that's below my cost that's incredible <laughs> so, yeah that's incredible yeah. so yeah. and and guys listeners will have links to all of this in the show notes because mm-hmm. i'm i was my next question was going to be how can i bring this to my son's school because um, every kid I know I've ever me met. Could, I, know, yeah. I know someone. Okay. I know someone. <laughs> so we're starting with the Baltimore City Schools. I'm also working with um, uh, some people in Newark, New Jersey, really trying to. This is the thing. I, I'm, I'm not trying to highlight that Zara's black, right? Like, this, that's not the point of the story. But she is black because I am black biracial. Yes. And yes. I 
live in this world of wellness that is and operate in this world of wellness that is so white, so, so, so white. And I didn't know why I wasn't healing within this world. And it was because I wasn't connected to who I was. I wasn't seeing people that I identified with or or seeing stories that mirrored mine. And going into these classrooms and giving this book to little kids, I really want kids like me to see themselves and to know that they have as much access and right to these tools as anyone else. But right now they don't. So that's a problem. Yes. Um, So that's a big deal for me. And representation truly, and I want like all the listeners out there who are white, have white children, representation of children of color benefits everyone. Yes. White kids too. And too often the stories about black kids. And and I really, I talk mostly about black folks because they truly are the the ones that are black and indigenous folks are the ones that are suffering most right now in, in the United States, especially, but all over the world. So, so many stories from black people and black children are being told by white folks. And a lot of people don't know that, especially in children's literature, which yeah. is amazing to me. Yeah. So we need to support more black authors and because that's the only way the story could be told with any kind of authenticity. Yes, of course. So, yeah. And representation yeah. matters because kids need to know more about people yeah. that they're living with. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and it's so yeah. interesting that you you started by saying, I'm not, I don't want to highlight the fact that Zara is Black, and yet it is such a crucial, integral part of this whole experience and your personal history. Our identities, our ancestry, our stories are so important and so critical to who we are. Like, I want everyone to see my color. I want them to know where I come from. I want them to know what I'm about. But my blackness is only one part of me. And for Zara, it's that she's any little girl, right? And this is just a part of her that I want people to see, but also to relate to. Yes. So I think any kid can relate to her. Yes. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Weighty as I've seen, I've seen the little, <laughs> I've seen some of you can go online and, and um, Rebecca's website and there, all of this is in the show notes on my, on my uh, website, milfpodcast.com, but do go on. And there's even some videos where you'll see some illustrations and people doing voiceover. It's really magical. And I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of it. She's so pretty. Her mother is so beautiful. I like. I just love this character so, I'm so much. Happy. I'm and so I happy. love that it's going to be a series because mm-hmm. I love being able to follow any character really, but and see how they, especially in that at that age. You know, seven is such a crucial age. It's like, wow, you know that those developmental years from seven to you know really fifteen, sixteen, forty. Um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right? Yeah, to, to death. Um, yeah. But congratulations that this is really exciting. And I love yeah. this program that you're doing and, and that we can all participate and join in and and get this in other classrooms everywhere. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be great. I it's can't really wait. cool. It's really cool. So I want to just back up also and talk about the book that just came out. Oh, that one. All right. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, that that massive book that I got published and that's like getting all these accolades. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's because your passion project is front and center. I love it. Talk so, about but, like attention problems. I'm like X girl to the next girl. I'm not <laughs> trying to talk about the last thing. But yeah, okay. Managing the mother load. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. So when I saw your resume at first, like I say resume, but just like you go online it's and fun. look yeah, at Yeah, I've never had a job. I've been fired from every real job I've ever had. Like for real. <laughs> resume, I've never had a resume. productive mom, maybe in all of, you know, 
I don't know, the West, I don't know, the like, uh, I, I can't find the word, the world, but um, so, <laughs> no, so I'm shaking my head. No, you wrote no. a book to like helping as an, as a guide to help people be productive. Productive is not the right word to creating more space. That's what you call it. Yeah. So the, the, the subtitle I think it's called is the, it's a guide to creating more ease, space and grace and motherhood. And that is something that the publisher makes me do because people love a guide, right? (laughs) But, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, and it is, look, there's, there's an exercise, there's more than one exercise in every single chapter. There's lots of ways to, navigate motherhood and that feel that will feel less challenging than what's been put out there before. But I want to emphasize so clearly, and I say this in the first lines of the book, that this is not a parenting book. I'm not going to teach you how to be a better parent in almost any regard. Like I, my kids still sleep in bed with me. They still fight me about cleaning their rooms. Um, it's, it's mostly about my journey through motherhood how it's informed and influenced every single part of my life and how I've created everything that I've created in the context of motherhood. Because again, I've, I was a mother before I was a woman, as my friend Nasia says all the time. And so I don't know anything else. I don't know how to behave outside of being a mom. And not that, and that's not my whole life. So I have, so, I have such a richness of experience beyond motherhood, but it's, but it's part of me. Yes. So I want women to, and anyone who identifies as a mother, to look at my story and say, I can do it too. Because truly, while I do have privilege, you know, I'm tall, I'm thin, I have light skin, and I talk like the white girl, some people say, and like all those things. I, I navigate this world with a lot of privilege, um, but I've had a lot of strikes against me too. And I think that if I can do this, they can look at my story and find a way that they can do things that they want to do too. The things that truly matter and that truly mean something to them. Mm. And I, and I, I give kind of a lesson on how to figure out what those things are because I, because I know that so many of us, because I did it, are living other people's dreams too. Mm. I thought I wanted a lot of things Mm. that I didn't want and wasted a lot of time. Yeah, Yeah. I wasted so much time, like trying to have a New York times bestseller and all that nonsense. And I didn't even want that. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So, but that, yeah. that comes back to, um, I mean, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> if someone from my publisher is listening, oh my God, I'm Psych. such an asshole. I'm such an asshole. I was at my book launch party with my agent and the vice president of Hay House in the audience. And I'm talking about, I'm telling people, don't write a book. It's not worth it. Do something. <laughs> Where did their eyes get really big and they were kind they of like were so giving mad. you the, the, like cut off? That is so funny. If they could muzzle me, it totally would. But sorry. I love that about you though. And I was just, as you were talking just now, um, I was thinking, and I thought this earlier in the interview, I was like, you really are a unicorn. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean you by gotta, that? You like, have to stop it because I'm I'm actually not. I'm like, I'm really good at, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I do well. I'll tell you why I do well. And this is, this is my advice, right? For the people listening. I do well because I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I don't know 99.9% of everything ever. And I'm good at like two things. And those two things I rock. I really do a lot of it. And I leave 
everything else to other people. And I ask lots of questions and I humble myself constantly. And I beg for help every day. Yeah. (laughs) Like every day. Well, I think that's that's it. I think you just hit on it. And I think, you know, the other piece of why you do well, so you, because you put it that way. And I just, for, to me, like why you're just exploding with all this creativity and like life force, um, is this deep joy that you just emanates from you. I do have a deep joy. It's contagious. It's so, so funny though. I'm so glad that this isn't video because if people could, you can see me, right? I told you on email, I was like, girl, be sweaty, be gross. Cause no one's going to see us. I'm going to be in my pajamas. Like it doesn't matter. Well, check and check because I haven't even taken a shower in three days. That's this right. is what because I've been doing this friggin' That's how Zara thing. Yeah. Like staying up till 12, 1, 2, and then waking up at four. Like, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. it's just it's just yeah. the phase that I'm in. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm not a unicorn. A lot of things get let go for me to do the things that are the most important yes, in the moment. Of course. And how yeah. old is your youngest child now? Oh, Lord. She's four. She's going to be five at the end of the month. I'm telling you. See, this is what happens. This is also what happens. It's called it's called code switching. Right. So like I will get black in the middle of an interview when I'm tired. (laughs) Code (laughs) switching. Wait, no, that's a thing. I don't know what this is. What's code switching? Oh, so for all you white people out there. Yeah. When black people when black people are alone together and feeling safe, we are different than you see us in public. We talk about your asses. No, we do. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's using, um, well, there's a thing called AAVE, African American Vernacular English. And that's mm. what white folks would call slang or jive talk or whatever. And there's, there's, because of respectability culture, black people are not allowed to have hair that grows out of their head in natural ways in professional environments. They're not allowed to speak in their natural, comfortable language. So, we have to talk like right. white folks right? when we get at, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are going to hate that I say that because like, what is talking white? Well, you know, yes. <laughs> like, you yes. know. Yeah. And so what happens when I get tired in interviews? Yeah. It, you will see a marked difference if you hear me talking to a black interviewer and a white interviewer. There's a level of comfort yeah. that happens in other spaces. So yeah. every once in a while, though, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh, Lord. Okay. So let's hear it. <laughs> let's hear it. Let's hear it. So she is. No, I can't do it. It doesn't. It's like it's like a block still. And I'm working on that. But so she's going to be five at the end of September and she's going into kindergarten and she starts tomorrow as we're recording. Oh, wow. this. And it's like she is the most willful, obstinate. The kid does not listen to anything I say. She only does things <laughs> that I want her to do when she wants them to do it. And yeah. I don't I'm powerless. I don't yeah. know what to do. Oh. My other kids were all so great about going mm. to school. Mm. So she's um she's a and great about everything. I've never had discipline issues. I've never witnessed a temper tantrum until this one. Yeah, she's They're breaking me. She's breaking you, girl. She's like, <laughs> I'm gonna be the last one, and I'm gonna just burn you up. <laughs> oh my gosh, it. burn me I up! I I, I don't know how we're gonna do it. I really don't. I'm I'm aging three years every year right now with this kid. <laughs> I think that'll pay off though. My kid's very willful too, and. What's happening now? I mean, it's it's tough. Like, wait he, a minute. I'm gonna hit pause. Yeah, How old yeah. is your oldest kid? I only have one, have? and he's ten. Okay, okay. So let me. I'm ragged. <laughs> I've been doing this for 22 years. It's it doesn't pay off. You just get more tired. 
Right. I I guess I meant for him, it's going to pay off. Oh, yeah, for him. (laughs) Because what I like about it is that I know with confidence he's able to advocate for himself. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? That is so So important. That's how I can flip it and go, oh, my God, he's such a pain in the ass right now. But you know what? I know. And I've heard this from teachers like and he's not disrespectful with them. He's very disrespectful with me. (laughs) We're you know, it's fine. I actually it's fine. It's not like he's horrible to me, but. You know, he feels free to. He really, pushes. He, he really he pushes tests. here with me at yeah. home, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, he will question authority and he will. Good. Um, yeah, it is good. I like it. I want him to do that and I want him to. So, anyway, so I'm just saying, I, but I know when you're in it and you're like, I just get your shoes on and get out the door. It's like, like you're killing me. You're killing me. You're, you're killing, killing me. me. Yeah. I don't yell anymore. I've been yelling sober since March 8th of this yelling year. Yelling sober. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I had it. I did have an anger problem. I mean, yeah. like legitimately, I had an anger problem where it wasn't that I was this raging, maniacal person, but I, I had this chip on my shoulder. Like the world is against me and, mm. and why can't it be fair? And so I had to let go of that and, and, um, there was an incident on March 8th, the morning of March 8th, where I was screaming at my 15, then 15 year old and on the way to school, dropping him off. And I was crying and he was crying and I was saying mm. all the wrong things. Like, mm. what is wrong with you? And you're killing me. And uh. yeah. Yeah. and um, that day I made the decision to go back into therapy and fix this. And so I'm, I'm yelling sober. I love it. And um, because it was an addiction, it was an attachment to anger. And it was the way addiction shows up in me because I am from a family of addicts, but I don't have a drug or alcohol addiction. And so I worked through that. But yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But but the kids with advocacy, self-advocacy is so important. I have, um, I think you know this, um, my oldest you probably don't know all of it, but my oldest has a genetic condition that affects her mobility. So sometimes she's in a wheelchair and Sometimes she walks with a cane and she is, um, she's a powerhouse. Like she's a, she was an RA. She worked her way through college. She's a senior now. And it, she took on all of that herself, um, really advocating for herself, making sure that she had her own, um, the right accommodations and, uh, heading like being president of the disability group at, at school. And my two boys both have visual impairment, my two older boys. And then my youngest boy is a trans boy. So he's a, a eight year old little trans kid. And advocating for themselves is something that's incredibly important and that we um, teach them and talk about all the time. Yes. Yes. That is amazing. I just had on the show, um, I mean, I have so many questions for you and I just now, my respect for you even just ratcheted up more. That's incredible. Um, Because you're obviously raising really authentic beings who know who they are. Just two weeks ago, I had on the show um, Paria Hasuri and she's actually writing a book because her middle child came out as trans uh, when she was 13. And I saw that. She's a psychologist, right? She's a, a, psych- a pediatrician. Or pediatrician. Mm-hmm. pediatrician mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it's just so like that episode, I can't even tell you how many messages. I mean, I get messages on most ep- of the episodes, but I can't tell you how many messages I got people thanking me for putting her voice out there because they don't know how to talk about it. Some people are going through it. They don't know how to deal with it. And it's just something that we just need to keep talking about. We were so lucky because it never felt like something we had to deal with. Because Sonny, that's his name, has really been Sonny from the very beginning. Mm. 
Um, there's a story in my book where I was trying to find out the sex of the baby and my midwives didn't do sonograms. And I was like, I need to find out. And she's like, well, you can go get your insurance to do it. And <laughs> or you can pay cash or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And um, she told me, she's like, you can find out what you're going to get, but never who you're going to get. Mm. And it was almost like she was predicting. Yes. And um, but Sonny has always been a boy for yeah. real yeah. and always expressed as such. So yeah. there was no transition. It was just this is my name now. And these are the pronouns I want to use. Um, and everybody in our circle, thank God, really, because we're so lucky. And we yeah. live in a really, really great state that is fiercely protective of trans kids rights. Yeah. Um, legally, yeah. Um, that it was seamless. It's That's totally so amazing. Normal. That's so totally amazing, normal. and so great yeah. to hear for people who don't live in a place like that. Ugh. You know, to know that it's. I possible. can't imagine. You know, it is possible, but I'll tell you that the legal barriers. I really feel for the parents who are living in states that are not New Jersey or California, um, even more liberal states like Oregon. I know that there's a lot of struggles. I have friends there who are struggling. It's it's really freaking hard, and it's um it's you know as a parent. It can be the most heart-wrenching experience to have your kids not be accepted and, mm. and not be held in safety. Yeah. So my heart goes out to them. Um, we're lucky. Yeah. We're very lucky. Yeah. You are such a powerhouse. I can't even, like, I'm just you in love with you. You have to stop saying that. Stop Sorry. it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just really. I can't help it. I, I haven't showered in three days. I smell bad. Like, this is. <laughs> and I love you more for it. <laughs> I can't. I, every time I do one of these, I'm like, Rebecca, talk slowly. Don't yell. Don't do that laugh you do. And please Why? don't tell them about your vagina or Why? that you smell. I don't, because it's Wait not, a minute. Wait a minute. What about your vagina? Oh, that Agnes? <laughs> she's pissed. Your vagina's <laughs> name is Agnes and she's angry. Like, okay, I didn't think I could love you more, but now we're going into this. What? Tell me about I put this. Her, tell you about it i've passed five children through it she's been through it <laughs> things have been through her she's done she's so pissed off at me it's all right though i mean she's all right my husband still likes her but it's oh. i don't know i i question that too though because i'm like if agnes could talk she'd have like a smoker's voice and she'd kind of just be like <laughs> like she'd call it <laughs> The girl is struggling. She's on the struggle bus. Oh, my God. I love you. Oh, holy shit, girl. Um, I should write a book about her. Definitely. Nah. What do you mean, nah? Nobody wants to. She doesn't. She would be. She. No one needs to hear from her. She has the worst advice. That's exactly the book I want to read, though. Someone give All right, me maybe. That. Okay. All right. Maybe. Um. So, my dear, we've come to the time when I ask you uh, three questions that I ask every guest, <clears throat> and then I ask you a lightning round of questions. All right. What do you think about, Rebecca, when you hear the word MILF? Oh, my God. Why did you name your podcast that? <laughs> I was, do you know what I thought about? Like, what the f am I doing going on this podcast to <laughs> name this? What do I think? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's so it's silly to me because I don't know why every what makes a mother different than if we're going with that meaning, right? What makes a mother different than any other woman? Like I, I'm totally doable, and I was doable <laughs> before. So it's, it's despite Agnes, right? right. Agnes <laughs> aside, okay. So right. to answer your question, why did I name it that? The short version is that when I 
when my son started preschool and I was coming out of just a severe postpartum depression, anxiety, um, that had been going on for three years undiagnosed, I had sort of a, a sexual awakening because I took a pole dancing class at, with another mom from preschool. And something happened inside of me where I was, I realized that I wasn't dead inside and I realized that I was still a sexual being. And I realized how I had adopted some other idea. Talk about when we were talking about like other people's ideas of what we become or grow into or what's what we want to achieve in our lives. I had sort of adopted this idea that like, well, once I'm a mom, you know, everything else just shuts down and I'm not, I don't want to, because that was my experience. I didn't want to have sex because I was so depressed and my husband was gone. He, he left, my husband at the time, I'm divorced now, but so I had this sort of awakening. And then what happened was my creativity came back and came in fresh and I started writing. I wrote a novel. I started you know, helping other writers. And it was like, oh my God, this is all like this creative force that is new. Um, And it all sort of started with that sexual, I I don't want to say sexual awakening. It's more like a sensual awakening with the pole dancing. Like I learned how to be in my erotic body for the first time. And so I was like, you know, I want to turn this meaning on its head because it's a male coined pornography phrase, right? The acronym. Excuse me, I'm taking a sip of water. And I, so the subtitle is Moms I'd Like to Follow, but it is with a wink and a nod to the original acronym because yes, we are all doable and all of that, but also everything I've learned, I've learned by following other moms. Everything from the beginning. My, My mom just wasn't really around when my son was born and she's so amazing and lovely, but it's not, I don't have that kind of relationship with her. And so I would, I would lean on other moms, my peers. I didn't know how to do anything. And I was just like, what the hell? So anyway, that's the long answer, (laughs) but, um, okay. Sorry. I should have known that. (laughs) Yeah. You really should have by osmosis. No. Um, okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Okay. Next question. I'm ready. Uh, what do you, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? I very much entrenched in racial justice, social justice, not the trendy kind. I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, and I used to follow a lot of different voices and faces in uh, racial justice, particularly um, black men and some white women. Um, but I have shifted my opinion to really believe that black women are the only ones that should be doing this work for real. And if we're following, and I know that white fragility was a really great book, but it was still written by a white woman and therefore it is limited. So I think that if you are looking to change, um, your ideas about, uh, your own racial yeah. bias, um, everybody, everybody has, has it bias, and your own yeah. anti-black anti-black yeah and, and anti-blackness if you are a non-white person because every non-white person has it um you really need to be following black women so i've changed my mind about that and i'm really really i'm really passionate i love that. that i love statement that. how do you define success mm-hmm. how do you define success <sighs> what did my angelou say i quoted her in my book a couple times it's like loving what like doing what you love and loving doing yeah. it or something like that. I don't know. It's really um I feel very successful. I feel very successful and I got to tell you I hardly have two nickels in the bank. And I have a Disney trip that I'm paying for and it's like this is <laughs> uh, that I booked. I'm taking all 
five kids plus um, my oldest boyfriend. They've been together for five years. I'm taking them all. We're going to Disney. I don't know how the hell I'm paying for it, but we're doing it. (laughs) That's going to be amazing. (laughs) But I feel very successful that I get to do those kinds of things and I get to help people and I get to, and I live in a nice house and I have a lot of love in my life. So I feel safe every day and and um, I get to work for my people. I get to really uplift and center and put forward Black people and Black voices. And that is very, very, very important to me. So, yeah, I feel super yeah. successful. Awesome. I feel that mm-hmm. for you. Um, lightning round. Ocean yes. or desert? Desert? <laughs> There's whales in the ocean. <laughs> Favorite junk food? Favorite junk food. Oh, Girl Scout Samoas. Oh. I had three this morning. I mean, just... <laughs> I always say that Girl Scout cookies are like pornography. <laughs> I have them in my deep freezer. I, I do that too. I do that too. Because it, it tastes better, but I also think it'll prevent me from eating the whole box, but it doesn't. What? No. I just have anxiety about running out. That's my biologic. Okay. Uh, movies or Broadway show? I've never been to a Broadway show and I lived in New York for 10 years. It's a it's a problem. Call my husband. We need to we change fight about that. it. Yeah. Okay. Next thing, I'm going to my first opera. Ooh, though a girlfriend's taking me. That'll be amazing. Mm. Um, yeah. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Agnes. Daytime sex. I'm freaking tired. <laughs> Texting or talking? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Voice texting. That's yes. what I do. Oh my every god! Day. And it's so funny when the vo- when the words come out all crazy. It'll be like, oh, I don't do that because that would really mess. Oh, it you up. mean like but, the voice record when well, you record your voice? Yeah, yeah, That's voice smart. recording. Yeah, black folks can't do that because we use too many words that Siri doesn't hilarious. know. Siri's hilarious. white. Um, cat person or dog person? <laughs> I hate all my pets. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many. I don't. I'm a pig and a goat oh. person. I love. They're my favorite pets. Have you ever worn mm-hmm. a unitard? God no. <laughs> Why would I wear a unitard? I was poor. I didn't go to like ballet class. What are you talking about? Shower or bathtub? Shower baths are disgusting. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice cream, vanilla with rainbow sprinkles. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how good are you at ping pong? Zero. I'm sorry. Did yeah. I curse? Oh, honey, we curse. You can say all. Yeah. Oh, zero. I have no hand-eye coordination. If you could no. push a button and it would make everyone in the world seven percent happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? I don't use any hairstyling products. Okay. So yes. Does it look like I? <laughs> Do you- superpower choice. Invisibility or ability to fly or super strength? What would I do with super strength? That's dumb. <laughs> I, lo- I love so dumb. Who yeah. says that? Who says super strength? I want to meet those people. They're canceled. <laughs> canceled. I unfriend canceled. you. I unfriend you. Would you? Now this, I lose some people on this. If you, if it... Am I messing no. this up? Is this You're wrong? Perfect. <laughs> you are perfection. No. Uh, I lose some people on this question, but it's my weird question. And I'm only going to do it for a few more episodes and then it'll be goodbye forever. Would you rather have, you know, that game, would you rather, do your kids play that? Okay. Yes. I have teenagers. Would you rather have six fingers on both hands? That's disgusting. (laughs) Or. I'm in in Dingo Montoya. (laughs) You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, Or a belly button that looks like foreskin. 
my my belly button does look like foreskin. You've had five children. I've had five children. It is disgusting and beautiful, right? But nobody's going to see it. I have an Audi belly button to start with. So it got jacked it. up. Your belly yeah. button talks to Agnes. They have conversations. They have, they have sketches. They do sketch comedy on the weekends. Those bitches do not talk to each other. They are the saltiest. They're the saltiest trifling bitches. They're not talking to each other. Also, buy my book about motherhood. It's really nice. Look what you did. How did this happen? Oh my God, I love you so much. Okay, what was the name of your first pet? My face hurts. Oh gosh, I really didn't have... uh, Uh... Oh, I can't talk about my first pets. It's a tragic story. I had bunnies that my father took me. This is okay. It's lightning round. But my father was a very childlike man who didn't have any common sense at all. And he bought two bunnies off the side of the road from a blind man. And they turned out, he said they were two boys. I don't know why the blind man would know, (laughs) but it was a boy and a girl. And they had babies so rapidly. And so, yes, that I didn't even name them. And my dad gave them to a neighbor, sold them to a neighbor for rabbit stew. So I don't want to talk about that. Okay. What was the name? What's the name of the first pet you got in your house? Your first rescue pet. Let's do that. I had um, Major. Okay, with a dog. That, yeah, no bunnies, and that was that's a traumatic story, honey. Oh my god! No wonder you rescue every every wounded animal. Um, I mean, rabbits do is good. People should. I mean, they're allowed to take care of themselves. We lived in a poor neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I do what you um, gotta do. Okay, Major. <clears throat> what was the name of the street you grew up on? Third Avenue. So your porn name is Major Third. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's what I'm going to start calling Agnes. That's her. That's her role playing totally... name. Slide on into Major oh my Third. God. <laughs> Rebecca, you're just. I'll uh, say it last one last time. Oh you're fucking amazing. Um, where can people find you? It's all going to be my show notes, but I want to hear you say like your website name and your social media handles. Is this so people can block me now? Because they're like, oh, I don't want to find her. At, at Beck's Life, B-E-X-L-I-F-E. It's like thug life with unicorns and rainbows. Um, everywhere. Beckslife.com, Beck's Life on Instagram. I cause all kinds of ruckus there. Be prepared. Awesome. Yeah. The blackness yes. comes through. So. Yes. <laughs> I want it all. I want it all. I adore you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, this was fun. I probably ruined my career. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rebecca. Please join me next week for a fresh episode of MILF Podcast. And make sure you go and visit serpentlane.com and use that discount code of MILF15 to get 15% off your lingerie. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.